roughly coloring pages. <laughs> uh, we are actually coming on the very last week uh, that we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. I think I've said that more than once. Um, but I promise you, this is the very last week we'll be doing the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and and um, I've actually decided to split the, the closing portion of the, the Sermon on the Mount into two halves. Last week we did, did the first half, and we looked at the, the wide and the narrow roads, right? One that leads to salvation, one that leads to destruction. And we're going to kind of look at the very end of it this week. And um, kind of, I want to give a little bit of, um, of, of context for, for those who maybe missed a couple weeks in there or, or what have you. Um, as we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, the big idea there was discipleship. Um, the message, it, it's not about how you earn your way to heaven. It's not about how you behave if you want to go to heaven. It's, I, I'm in Christ, right? I believe in Jesus. I'm following Jesus. This is what it looks like. You know, so if I'm following Jesus, my heart should change in this way. And, and sort of the way that we've been approaching it is inside-out faith or inside-out Christianity. There are a lot of folks who will do their Christianity based on the outside in. You know, I knew a guy in high school that, that he, he, had a, he had a moment where he came to Christ, and the very first thing he did was he went and bought five or six Christian t-shirts and a Bible and a really fancy Bible cover, and he had all that outward stuff, right? It was like buying a new house and or buying an old house and throwing a layer of paint on it and hiring Brooke to put a roof on it, and all of a sudden the outside looked pretty, but, you know, the inside might still be yucky. Um, yucky is a theological word. <laughs> and, and this is the opposite. As believers, when we come to Christ, what Christ is teaching in this message is, um, if I'm following Christ, it begins in my heart, and as my heart changes, everything outside of it changes. Everything outside changes. Um, it's not the new layer of paint I throw on the outside, right? It's the new heart that I have, and the new heart makes everything else different. Um, and and so, as we come to the end of the message, the the, the, the primary focus at the end of the, the message is, you've heard it, go out and do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so last week, it's you can do this the easy way, or you can do it the hard way. But the easy way ain't going to get you work like anywhere we're getting you. Right? Um, Christ calls us to a harder road. And if you look at the teachings there, you know, just doing them is hard enough. But changing your heart so your heart is in it, man, that's tough. Right? Like, I, I might learn to turn the other cheek, but I'm going to grumble and hate the other guy while I do it. But to love the other guy while I turn the other cheek, that's, that's a tough deal. Um, I may not, you know, look at other women lustfully. I might struggle. But, you know, I might take a second or two to, like, take a glance. And then, oh, I shouldn't look at... You know what I mean? Like, like heart change is about being different inside. Where, where as soon as they're in your first reaction is to back up. And that's what discipleship is. It's the training. It's the work. It's the becoming something different. Um, and so as we come into this, we're going to be looking at Matthew 7, 15 through 27. And so if you're following our 28, excuse me, if you're following along in your Bible... Um, you, you, you can open up to that section. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. Um, Matthew 7.15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Um, so Jesus starts out by warning about false prophets. In, in that context, we oftentimes think about prophets as being guys who tell the future, right? Um, or who say they tell the future. But, but being a prophet was a little more complicated than that. Uh, a prophet... Oh, thank you, honey. About to move that. Um, 
<laughs> a prophet would be somebody who um, spoke for God. Right? So if you were, you see a lot of this in the Old Testament where you would go and, and the king would have a group of prophets and they would, they would tell him what God had to say. And, and the problem was that a lot of times you would have prophets who really weren't saying anything about what God wanted to say. They were saying what the king wanted to hear because you want that guy around. <laughs> um, in, in uh, I believe it's Jeremiah, you, you see a, a confrontation between Jeremiah and a false prophet. And Jeremiah is saying, hey, you know what? Babylon, they're going to come out here and they're going to destroy this place. And they're going to like take you all away into captivity and there'll be no stones left on top of each other. You guys have really ticked off God and now punishment is coming. And, and it's going to last a long time. All of you are going to be dead before they come back. And the false prophet steps up. He's like, no, no, I was talking to God and it's going to be bad, but don't worry, it ain't going to be that bad. God is mad, but he loves you, and so you're in good shape. And, you know, the king looks, he's like, well, who am I going to listen to? The guy who tells me I'm going to get squished? Or the guy who says it ain't that bad? Well, we tend to gravitate toward the guy who says it's not that bad, right? I mean, we tend to gravitate toward the guy who's going to give us the easy answer. Why? Because easy answers are awesome. But they're not always right answers. Um, and so Jesus warns about this, and he says, listen, um, these false prophets, they're going to lead you in directions you don't want to go. And they're going to lead you there because they're after something. I haven't spent much time around wolves. In fact, until I moved to Montana, I knew very little about wolves. I still don't know very much about wolves. But do we like them? No. You guys who have cattle, are wolves nice to have around? No. I, the older guys, are they here? I can ask about sheep. Because nobody else has sheep, I don't think, right? <laughs> do wolves get along with sheep? Not particularly. If you've got wolves in the area, there's a distinct possibility you're going to lose things, right? And, and if you're really unlikely, it might be some of your kids. Or if you're, if you're lucky, I don't know, maybe they're bad kids. Um, <laughs> um, Jesus compares them to wolves and sheep skins, right? They're disguised. But in reality, that wolf walks into your herd, what's he after? He's after lunch, right? He's not there to hang out. He's not there to lead the sheep in a different direction. He is going to catch, he's going to kill, and he's going to eat. He's after nothing else. Um, and when Jesus warns about these false prophets, these are not guys who are there to lead you to Jesus. These are not guys who are there to make your life better. They're not there to make you comfortable. They're there to eat you. To, to pin you down and to, to eat you. And, and in our culture, we see this often with, with money, Right? Our false prophets are generally after lined pockets. Ezekiel talks about this. It's a great passage in the Bible where he talks about the shepherds who basically are there to feed the sheep. You know, I'm not here to feed you. I'm here to take things from you. And these are these false prophets. These are guys who are out there to kill you, spiritually, honestly. And they're going to do it in the name of lining their own pockets. And sometimes they're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Um, and so he starts the, the second half of this conclusion by saying, Look out, there are wolves in sheep clothing. These are people who are pretending to be believers, but they're hunting you. Look out, they're hunting you. Um, the passage moves on. You may know them by your fruit, by their fruit. Excuse me. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs and thistles, nor figs and thistles. Blah. All right, let me start this over again. It's, it's a, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Um, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. Are they? Guys, I'm not a farmer, are they? No. We don't raise grapes here. What do we raise? Cherries? 
Can we get cherries off the thorn bushes? No, we don't. There's no cherries here. What, what do we grow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought this is a question. Do wheat does, does wheat come from wild oats? If you go over the wild oats with your with your uh, what is that combine, are you getting anything worth having? Like you're actually like diluting your product, right? You do it enough, and it's going to affect how much you can sell your meat for. Is that accurate? I don't understand farming at all, so I'm asking. Um, I just know the hot dog bush I planted never grew. Um, so, every good tree, so every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruit. Now, I'm going to pause here. Uh, last week I talked about this race I ran in, right? And, and um, a, about a week before, actually three or four days before, I, I went to Kalispell for an overseer meeting. This is all the pastors from the state. And they're actually all over on that side of the state. Like, I'm the pastor from the side of the state. Go team. Um, and, and so I went out there, and I'm sitting with them, and, and I, I drove a long way. Kalispell is at least five hours away. Does that sound right? It took me about five hours, I'm going to admit. You can judge me for speeding. Um, but I, I drove out there, and I got there very early in the morning, and I was really hungry. And so, you know, I went out to get breakfast, and, and I drove around, and I was thinking, well, what am I going to eat for breakfast? And I, I went to Walmart, and because Walmart was open. And I, I walked through Walmart, and I was looking, and I was like, well, I could get, you know, fruit, or I could get, you know, maybe some cereal, or I could get a half dozen donuts because they're on sale. <laughs> What did I get? Half a half dozen donuts. And I don't know about y'all, but I like the donuts that are filled with stuff. Right? I like jelly. I like cream. I like that weird, like, white cream that tastes, like, amazing, but you know isn't any kind of natural. Like, <laughs> you're eating it, and you're wondering if this came from a farm or a laboratory. There's a laboratory in the back of Walmart, I've heard. Um, and so I get my half dozen donuts, and I'm sitting in the parking lot of this church waiting for other folks to show up, and I'm... I'm drinking my McDonald's coffee because they make the best coffee to get through drive through and, and I didn't get McDonald's because it would be unhealthy. I was eating my donuts and drinking my coffee, and I'm working, right? I, I was writing last week's sermon. And, and I finally, they show up, I go in, and we're sitting around, and we're talking about what we're going to do. And they brought in, one of the guys brought bowls of fruit. And everybody's sitting around eating bowls of fruit, and I'm eating my donuts, right? <laughs> Why? Because I bought them. Um, and, and so me and my donuts, we're talking about what we're going to do like over the weekend. A bunch of these guys are going to a convention or something. And, and I, I, I said, oh, I'm going to go run in that race. And they all kind of looked at me and they're like, I see you're training hard. You're eating donuts. Because <laughs> apparently donuts are not good racers. they got a lot of sugar and energy. I figured, you know, but they're not, right? Like if you're trying to be healthy, if you're trying to be fit, if you're trying to be energetic, Donuts rank right there at the bottom. And actually, they're Walmart donuts, so you probably have to dig a little to get to the bottom. Does that sound about right? These guys are looking at me. I'm claiming to be preparing for a race. What am I doing? Not preparing, right? I'm doing the opposite of what I say I'm doing. Um, as Jesus starts talking about this fruit thing, what he's doing is he's saying, look, Watch. You can tell who the false prophets are based on how they live, right? What's coming out of their lives. Um, 
And he says good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. Um, Matthew likes this fruit thing, and it turns up over and over again. We're going to touch on some of these. Um, the unusual fruit is not a reference to rotten fruit. It's a little more like like um, wild oats, right? You, you can't use them for nothing. I don't think, can you? Not at all, really. They're just crummy. I mean, they grow, and they're useless, and they, you, know, you can pick them out from a mile away. I know that much. Um, what is it referring to? Well, he doesn't specify here. There are several like like potential meanings for it. Um, the false prophet, um, what comes out of them? How do you measure a false prophet? Well, you measure by what comes out of them. First off, are they truthful? Right? So if somebody comes along and they say, this is what God is going to do and God doesn't do it, are they a true prophet or a false prophet? Well, they're a false prophet, right? Um, the, the couple of girls that came out of, out of that were in captivity, did you guys read about that? The, there was a couple of, what, three, three girls who were captive like, for ten years in this guy's basement. And um, Sylvia Brown is a, is a TV psychic, and she's written like 35 books. Several books about Jesus, which are appalling. I don't recommend them. I can't believe I read them, honestly. Um, but she had told one of the mothers on national television or on a talk show that she that her daughter was dead. And she said, well, I'm talking to her in the spirit world, and she says she's fine and that you should keep going with your life. And lo and behold, she's still alive. This means false prophet. Everybody with me? If they call it and they call it wrong, you get as far away from that guy as possible, right? If they're speaking for God and they're speaking wrong, they ain't speaking for God. In the Old Testament, actually, this was something, if you did it, they would drag you out and they would slowly rock you to sleep. Or hit you with rocks till you're dead. I don't know, something like that. Um, so, they're truthful. Um, they're theologically correct, right? So, everything you say lines up with the scriptures. I'm going to come back to the donut thing in a second. Um, I didn't just tell that, I just timed it badly. Um, they're theologically correct. Uh, there's a guy, uh, I, I, if I'm offending you, I, I mean to. I'm sorry. Uh, Benny Hinn, do you guys know who this guy is? Yeah. He, he looks sleazy and he's on TV and he, he heals people. Um, and he, he, he does sermons, and like one of the things that he's preached that's, that's very far out there, he preached that there are nine persons in the Godhead. So it's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and about six other guys. Well, that's not like biblical, right? Like he's pulling that one out of his ear, or somewhere else. Like, like it ain't coming out of the scriptures, right? So if you're preaching something and it's out there, that guy's a false prophet. Everybody with me? Somebody tells you, you can go to heaven by being good. That guy's not telling the truth. We go to heaven through Christ and Christ alone. He died for our sins. Um, and that's it. Um, or if they say Jesus was created by God at some point. He's not from forever. That's not true. That's not what the scriptures say. So we don't follow that guy. That's part of the measure here, right? So somebody stands up, they keep something that's like incorrect. They're a false prophet. And the scriptures tell us this. This is something that the Bible gives us as a guideline, along with the, if it doesn't come true, they ain't true. Um, the third one is if they're ethically out of line. If you look at them and they say, hey, I am out there teaching the word of God, but they ain't living it, they're probably not real. If I say I'm going to run a race, but I'm eating donuts, everybody's going to know to call me on it, right? Um, there was a church we visited years ago, or several years ago when we were interviewing for jobs, 
where the pastor was preaching um, that you could become perfect, sinless, and never sin again. And, and he preached on a regular basis for several years. And then he ran off with, with a member of the church who he wasn't married to, but who was married to someone else. And, and they, they decided that they would not be married to their respective spouses, right? Is what he's preaching, like, first off, it's probably not, well, as a theological discussion, I'm going to argue not theologically correct. But where he was at, was he living the truth? No, right? He wasn't. Um, if I'm preaching the word but I'm stealing, you know, am I ethically in line? No. If I'm saying, you know, fast and pray and follow Jesus saying do any of that stuff, I'm ethically out of line. Um, if I'm visiting the adult websites on a regular basis, I'm ethically out of line. That's when you pick out a false prophet. Like it's one of these ways, right? So we got three. How do you know somebody's teaching you something that's incorrect? Um, they're teaching stuff that's not happening. They're um, teaching stuff that's not biblical, or they're ethically wrong. Um, they're getting fat off of their flock. There's a pastor down in Texas who, um, in the name of, of Jesus, has a private airplane um, that he pays for out of the church's budget. Um, and it's absolutely necessary, because Jesus wants him to have a private airplane. Maybe, right? Probably not. Is that good stewardship? I'd argue no. Right? Like when we start using God's resources for our own good, I want. Everybody with me? Anybody want to throw anything at me yet? For stuff related to the sermon, not for other reasons. Um, good. <laughs> um, so what else are we finding here? Well, the scriptures give us other lines for fruit. So like we look at a teacher, right? We look at a guy and we say, is this somebody who's going to teach me about Jesus? Is this somebody who's going to help me draw closer? Because pastors, authors, some of you guys might read Christian books. Maybe read things to help you grow closer to God. How do we know if they're worthwhile? Well, you look at their lives first. The second thing you look at is their fruit keeping with repentance. You can look at yourself for this one too, right? Um, this is from John the Baptist. John says, look, if you're really repenting for your sins, it's going to show up in how you live, right? I'm really sorry for doing this, but then I go running back to it over and over again. I'm not really repenting. Does that make sense? Like if, if, Good example, it's not going to get you in too much trouble. Um, if I were to take up, you know, hit my wife next week, we're arguing, and I slap her around a little bit, and I say, I'm so sorry, and I do it again the next day, probably not that repent, right? Um, everybody's had a teenager who will go back to the same thing over and over again, even though they say they're never going to do it again. I did it when I was a teenager. Sorry, guys. Um, it's not repentant. Um, sometimes Abby will do things, and she'll say she's sorry, and then two minutes later, she goes right back to it. You know, she's not repentant, she's too, but anyway. Um, our words reveal our allegiance to Christ, is, is the second one. This is from 1233, and these down and come up later. Um, if the things I say don't point to Jesus as Lord, and Lord means that I live under him and I'm obedient to him, then it's not right. Uh, there was a, a big thing on Facebook where these, this, this what is it, um, 80s baking company, you guys read about this? They, they, they have this bakery, and they were on that Ramsey guy, the big jerk who does the cooking shows, and, and they got kicked off, and then, like, people started attacking him on their Facebook page, and they would be like, you know, blank you, blank you, all of you blanking, blank, 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 Jesus is on our side, <laughs> and he hates all of you. Well, okay, probably not, right? <laughs> 
They didn't actually write a blank. Those of you who aren't. <laughs> but if I say stuff like that in sermons, I get in trouble. Um, <laughs> Uh, 13, 8 and 23, uh, their lifestyle reveals their allegiance to Christ. Touched on that a second ago. If your lifestyle isn't lining up with what God is calling you to do, there's something wrong. That is a fruit that is not bearing, that's not in line with what salvation is, right? How do you know somebody isn't like a real follower? How do you know somebody's a wolf in sheep's clothing? Lifestyle. Um, if I'm out there carousing and, and doing things I shouldn't, I'm out of line. 21, 19 refers to the failure of the temple establishment. Jesus comes along and he talks to this tree. He says, fig tree, you've got no fruit. And he tells it to die and it dies, right? And that's a reference at the time. The temple, the priests, like he became a priest. Biblically, he became a priest by being in the right family and like God picks them. And in about two to 300 B.C.-ish, um, it changed where the guy with the most money could buy a spot in the temple and then, like, you had one really rich family who would always buy their leadership in the temple. And then all of a sudden, like, the temple became a huge standard. And so instead of drawing people closer to God, they were, like, robbing them. And they weren't producing repentance, and they weren't bringing people closer to God. Instead, they were lining their own pockets and being comfortable. If you see a church doing that, they're out of line, right? Something's wrong. If it's all about us at the top, and it's not about all of you down there. That's the idea here, right? Jesus says, this tree ain't bearing fruit. It's also sort of a comment on um, the Old Testament system, but we're not going to get into that today. Um, 21.33, good fruit is loyalty to God, right? If we are loyal to God, we're obedient. If we stand in the gap when things are hard, and we're obedient when things aren't easy, and we follow him through, that's it. That's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to this discipleship of in the sermon. Everybody with me? Everybody awake? I'm waiting for my daughter to start snoring on me. Um, Matthew 7, 21-23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. Um, this is one to pay attention to. Right? Why? Because he's talking about heaven and hell right now. If you're going to get anything else wrong in life, this is the one you don't want to get wrong. Everybody with me? Heaven is sort of the goal. You know, I could have the nicest car. I could have the best family. I could have the prettiest body. I could have everything going right. But I stand before Jesus and I ain't right. Everything else, gone. Nothing matters. This is the one to listen to. Um, so not everyone who says the right words is going to go to heaven. Just because I prayed a prayer at some point doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. It's about living under Christ's lordship. I'm saved because of Christ, and I follow him because I'm saved. Everybody with me? Um, this is a reference to false prophets who misleads. A lot of these people are going to stand before God one day and say, Hey, I taught in your name. And he's going to say, I don't know who you are. Get out of here. And there are going to be a lot of people who follow those people who are going to stand there and say, Hey, he taught me all about you. And Jesus is going to say, I don't even know that guy. I don't know you either. We have to take this stuff seriously because it's forever. And because there are so many
many folks out there who are misleading us right now, who will write books saying, you know what, you can have your best life now, right? And it's not about discipleship, it's about getting yours now. Um, there are people out there who say, do what you want, or did God really say you're not supposed to? I'm pretty sure you can do that. Don't worry what Jesus says. Those people are leading folks astray. Discipleship is about obedience to Christ, about living a lifestyle that reflects that. Um, the signs they refer to are spectacular, right? Like if I was performing miracles and casting demons out of folks, I would get a crowd, right? But if it's all about the miracles I'm performing and I'm never turning around and pointing to Jesus, what am I doing wrong? Oh, <laughs> then it's all about me. Um, the miracles they point to are not service. They're not feeding the hungry. They're not bringing people to Jesus. They're not um, serving him with their lives. It's, look at the magic tricks I did. Can't I get in? <coughs> it's nothing at the end of the day. Um, these miracles, they oftentimes serve to draw people's eyes away from God and not to Christ, not to repentance, not to obedience. Um, the word no here, by the way, refers to family connection. It's actually funny how it's used. The word no means family connection, but the way it's phrased refers to, like, you know, Adam knew his wife, right? And, but it refers to family connection, so there's a deep, intimate connection between man and God referenced here. Discipleship draws us to that place. When we live out the Sermon on the Mount stuff, this inside-out Christianity, where the inside begins to draw close to God, the outside begins to reflect his glory, we know him. We know him intimately. And we walk with them. And we stand with them. And we suffer with them sometimes. We don't get it the easy way. We get it the way that lasts. Um, and actually, this way that lasts, I'm going to summarize this, this bit here. Like Jesus closes with a story about the, the two foundations, right? The house built on stone and the house built on sand. And he says, look, you know, the guy who builds on stone, it took him a lot more work. It was harder to do. But the rains came and the house lasted. The house on sand wash away when the storm comes. And there are lots of different storms we're going to encounter in life. And the popular way to teach this is, when difficulty comes, if you don't have Jesus, you'll get washed away. And there's truth in that. But the other element to this, and the element I'm going to emphasize here is, when you stand before God and the judgment happens, right? The foundation that you're standing on is the one that's going to last. And this is a foundation. It's not a paint job. It's not a new roof. It's a brand new life. It's ground up, inside out living. And so, like, if I say, well, I will follow Jesus, so I'm going to adopt these teachings. That's not inside out, right? It's, I'm going to follow Jesus, and every part of who I am is going to be changed. If my foundation cracks, how does it change my house? In really significant ways, right? <laughs> like, really significant ways. Foundation is everything. It shapes, it holds, it everything's our house. And my challenge for you today, my challenge for you this week, um, as you go out of here, as you, as you continue to, to, to live your life and follow God, what foundation are you building on? Like, what foundation are you living out? You know, are, are we like James says, the man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like the day he steps away? Um, is our obedience to Christ, is our hearing his teaching drawing us to a place where we're repentant? Or we're saying, wow, I failed here. And I failed here, and I failed here, and I failed here. And I'm sorry, Jesus, I need to be forgiven. And where I look at other people and I say, wow, 
you're doing bad stuff, but I do bad stuff, and God forgives me, so I'm going to forgive you. This is foundational. It's inside out. It's instinctive then, right? Um, if I throw um, steak out in my yard, my dog is going to see him, and he's not going to have to think about picking him up, right? He's going to grab him. Why? Because it's steak. He's a dog. That's what they do. <coughs> I see the calling of God. I don't have to think about obeying it. I obey it because that's who I am. It's what I do. It's how I live. It's foundational to who I am. We're going to call Nathan forward. And we're going to pray and close up. I'm not going to do a blessing this morning. Sorry, guys. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. Call us to a place where we would look for you in everything that we do. That, that as we make our decisions, as we build the life that we are going to live, that, that we would build it based on, on solid teaching. That as we encounter teachers and preachers and those who would tell us about Christ, that we would encounter them in a way that's evaluating, that, that measures and weighs, and that we pick the narrow road um, and not the wide and easy way. Help us, Lord, to know you more through, through the teachings that we encounter and the people that we know. Help us to draw closer to you in everything that we are. In Christ's name, amen.